Parenting is work, like a lot of work, and it can be easy to feel like no one understands. Well, as a mom of four, including two newborn twins, (laughs) I'm here to tell you that at the end of the day, we're all figuring it out as we go. You are not alone. I'm Summer Shepherd, and this is, no, seriously, how do I do this? Hey, welcome back. Every single one of us on our parenting journey, we experience unique challenges, struggles. But what do you do when you are sitting down from a doctor who's telling you that your child is going to struggle chronically for the rest of their life in some capacity or another because they have some sort of a special need? Now you enter into this realm that maybe you'd never expected to enter into of being a special needs parent. You have to navigate all of the resources that are out there or that aren't out there for your circumstance. You have to relearn how to parent, how to love your child according to their unique needs. And it can be so overwhelming. No, seriously, how do I do this? Well, Melissa, she, she got the news that two out of three of her children were divergent in some capacity. And she took the struggles that she faced She turned them around as a way to bless her community and equip those in the same boat as her. And so if there is something that can be said, it's that everyone's journey is different. But if there's something else that can be said, it's that you are not alone in it. And so welcome, Melissa Shutwell, to today's episode of No Seriously, How Do I Do This? So Melissa, I love that you're here. Thanks for coming all the way out. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Thanks for hanging out and nice little drive over. Wading through all the weeds in my backyard to get here. I mean, that's just real life. This summer has not been a summer of yard maintenance for our family. Totally fine. I can <laughs> relate, actually. So to be fair, I don't natural. think any year has ever been a year of yard maintenance, but it's fine. I'll just I'll just call it what it is. But so you came out today and I'm excited to sit down with you and I want to learn from you about a world that I don't have personal experience in, but I have a huge heart for. And I know that there are a lot of parents that might be listening right now that have touched your world or in your world or feel overwhelmed by their placement in your world. And so, Melissa, why don't you just kind of start off by telling me about yourself and tell me about your family? Sure. Well, I'm Melissa. Uh, So I'll start there. And my family, we live in Sun Prairie. My husband, Nick, and we have three kids. So Maddie is our oldest. She is 11. She just started middle school, Mm -hmm. and she's delightful. Uh, She has been diagnosed with ADHD, uh, generalized anxiety, and sensory processing disorder. When we had her, uh, there was no – the doctor wasn't like, and you have a child that has – this and this and this. We just were sent home with our beautiful baby girl, and it wasn't until she was around ages two or three where I didn't really know what was typical behavior and what was atypical. I was a first-time parent, so everything was a little hard, yeah. and I didn't know what was typical. But when she started preschool was the first time that someone else noticed that maybe she had some sensory needs that weren't being met. And so that kind of started us on the path of exploring what does that mean and what does it look like to have a child that uh, is neurodiverse and not typically developing. And then we have my son Beckett. Beckett is seven and he just started second grade and he is also delightful and full of energy. 
and then our youngest son, Augie, is five. He started kindergarten a oh couple my. of weeks ago. My mama heart. And he has Down syndrome. And so he uh, is the, the baby that when they handed him to us, they said, and, you know, he has uh, Down syndrome. He has a hole in his heart. He has Hirschsprung's disease. Actually, they didn't know it all like right then but it was much earlier on our journey of of raising him that we knew there were things about him that weren't typical and we were totally okay with that Uh, but also it's you know it's had some challenging times as well because Mm. of it so your middle child would you say neurotypical he from a diagnosis perspective neurotypical but um It's interesting. I'm sure you can say this about your kids too, but what I've learned with raising my three is that regardless of diagnosis or not, uh, they all three have very unique needs. Mm -hmm. They have Mm -hmm. their unique um, challenges. They have their unique strengths. And so even though he, I can't say he doesn't have a diagnosis of ADHD or anxiety. I see some of the same things in him as I do his older sister. He just does not have a formal diagnosis. Um, and I think by the time I had him and we'd been going through different things for a while with my daughter, it was like, we've got it. No matter, I don't need a formal diagnosis to know that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take his lead on things and we're going to do what's best for him. And if he's anxious about different things, we now have some tools in our and our tool belt that can help for him as well. So, I think you're right, though. I think regardless of a child's diagnosis, there are just things about being a parent with multiple children that are going to have to be kept in mind. Like each of your children are different. They're going to have totally. a different personality. They're going to have different needs, different intolerances, different triggers. And so just being open to that journey, because I know when I had my first especially Everything was scary. Everything was new. Everything right. was a big question mark. No, seriously, how do I do this was just my my motto. It's never stopped being my motto, but it was definitely my motto then. And you do a lot of research and comparison of your child to other children. And it's, it's hard. And it then is. when you start to have more children, you're still doing that comparison. But now it's even within your household. And I think, you know, four kids in myself... Uh, I've kind of let that go a bit. And I'm just going to like, they're going to figure out how to walk eventually. You know, chances are eventually one day they're going to learn how to walk. And so you kind of give yourself a bit more grace. grace. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And then some grace because, yeah, with my youngest, Augie, I just, I always say Augie's going to do what Augie's going to do when Augie's going to do it. Mm -hmm. And that's not on the same time frame as my other two. But frankly, they weren't really on the same time frame either in terms of developmental milestones. So Augie's just going to do what he's going to do when he's going to do it. And, and you know, honestly, mantra. that is such a beautiful mantra for Augie too. I think having that permission in your family to discover and hone your strengths in your time, that takes a lot of pressure off of our kids right. when we can approach it that way. Absolutely. So, okay, so you have three children, two of which would be diagnosed neurodivergent in some capacity. Correct. Right. Um, And so as you first got that diagnosis with your daughter, what went through your head? I think this was a while ago because it was, it started when she was age three. And really from age three to age six, we were still learning. 
not that we've ever stopped learning mm-hmm. about Maddie and her um, how her brain works and how she experiences the world, but really that age three to six was a a big learning period for us. And so it started when she was age three, but we didn't really have a full, we only had the sensory processing, um, sensory processing, processing disorder diagnosis. Try to say that. (laughs) Uh, We only had that diagnosis when she was three. And then the ADHD diagnosis and generalized anxiety diagnosis came later. So I, I think what was running through my head initially was what do we do to, help? What do we, what do I need to do for her? How do I be the best mom to Maddie knowing that she has sensory processing disorder? And then later knowing that she has ADHD and generalized anxiety. And there wasn't a handbook that I could go and read. There wasn't even a person that a mom or another parent that I could go to that had a child that even if they had sensory processing disorder, that it looked the same as Maddie. So I felt a little bit alone at the time, um, or I, of course, had my husband. But as her mom, I was trying to look for resources and look for connection and try to figure out, you know, how do I be the best mom to Maddie? How do I support her in the best way? And it took a while to realize that there wasn't going to be just a single resource that was going to provide those answers, that it was going to take time and patience and messing up, trying one thing and it not being the right answer. It was going to be some days that at the end of the day, all I could do is just like lay on the couch and be like, this is hard. Parenting is hard. Motherhood is hard. Uh, at least with my child. And then there were other days where I'd see something new or positive with Maddie, and it would just feel like a triumphant day uh, and a day to celebrate. So it was a lot of learning and unlearning things that I thought Mm -hmm. were right, Mm -hmm. you know, that before I had kids that I thought I would do. And then my experience just didn't turn out that way that I, I thought it would be. Um, so yeah, unlearning things and just figuring out slowly what worked best for Maddie and what worked best for her as part of our family and what worked best for our relationship and not going to lie. It's been, it was hard and there's still sometimes that it's really hard. What I've learned with Maddie now that she's 11 is that with maturity has come, um, Maddie's now able to self-regulate She's able to have more self-control where when she was five or six, she's very impulsive. And so there were times where it was scary in terms of like safety with her impulsivity um, or just uh, concerning times where she would say things or do things that I'm like, okay, this is, I don't know how to handle this. I don't know what to do next. Um, And so, yeah, just concerning or challenging times that with time, she has now figured out how to best um, manage that herself. And we are there just, you know, alongside her to really support her through that. So when you first found out you were feeling overwhelmed and kind of lost, you didn't know anybody, you didn't have easy access to those resources. Was there, was there one thing in particular that you just were like, but this thing, this thing is stressing me out. How do I do this thing? How does this work? Was there one just 
burning, pressing issue that was plaguing you in those early days that stuck out? This was, you know, eight or nine years ago. So I'm trying to first just uh, think back to, um, yeah, if there was that one thing. Because the one of the first things that came up outside of our home was at school, and it was brought to our attention from teachers uh, that Maddie seemed uncomfortable and at times unhappy in her classroom. And so it was preschool and daycare. I was working full time at, at the time. And so this is where Maddie was during the day. And so that was important for me to figure out early on was if she's truly uncomfortable, if she's um, uncomfortable in the space, if she's unhappy there, why? And what mm-hmm. can we do about that? And what is the what is the sensory need that's being unmet? Or, yeah, there was just probably more questions than answers at the time. But that's what I really wanted to figure out because it's hard as a parent to hear that your child may not be happy in the space that she goes during the day and that there's not really a clear answer as to why. It's not that she didn't have friends. You know, she's three. It's not that she didn't have friends. It's not that kids were mean to her. It was that her she was sensory sensitive and she was overwhelmed in the space. She had auditory sensitivities. And so the noises, the noise level of the other kids in the room proximity and their proximity to her was too much for her, but she couldn't articulate that. You know, she's a toddler. She couldn't articulate that to us, but it was learning to learning about her and learning about those sensitivities and then how to best help her through that. That was really important to us. When you then found out a couple kids later that you're about to enter into a relationship with another child who is is atypical neurologically and and who has Down syndrome? First, was that something you found out during the pregnancy or after? Your son it was, was during born? the pregnancy. Okay. Yes. Yep. Okay. Now that you you know kind of been there, done that, different issues, but you've started training yourself as an advocate, as a as a mom. What was your response when you found out your son Augie had Down syndrome? Well, to answer that, you'd probably have to understand what had happened just a few months before. Okay. And that was I had a second trimester miscarriage. And so I was still carrying that, um, that grief and that hurt. And I still do. So I I still, you know, to talk about it is still hard. Um, So motherhood, the journey to becoming a mother And with my pregnancies, it wasn't my first miscarriage. And with Maddie, it wasn't easy to conceive. There's just been a lot of hardship, I'd say, around my husband and my journey to becoming parents. And the pregnancy before Augie um, was a naturally conceived child. And it felt like it was just meant to be. And so in the second trimester, when I don't even know what the percentage, the chance of having miscarriages, I just know it's very low. And I thought that we were past that point and, and we, we weren't, um, and it happened and I lost that child. And we actually had, um, after 
his death. I know he was a little boy. We did do genetic testing to see if there was anything that would indicate why we lost him. And there wasn't anything that came up. Everything looked typical. Um, But I lost him. And so I was carrying that grief. And um, when I got pregnant with Augie, and it was around 14 weeks when we went in for um, early testing uh, on that pregnancy, on the pregnancy with Augie. And it was, you know, around that same time that I had lost the baby before him. And so I was initially scared that I was going to lose another child. Um, That was the first thing that went through my head. And then the second thing was, I don't know anything about Down syndrome. What is, what does this mean? What is this, what is this going to mean? And then very quickly I moved to, but he has a heartbeat and it's, it's beating and it's strong and it's okay that I don't know what it's going to be like yet to raise a child with Down syndrome. Right now, I need to just focus on having a pregnancy that I'm not filled with um, significant worry, which that still happened, but that you know we can make it through the pregnancy together and that um, I can bring this child into the world. Like That was my main hope at that point because I was still really not too far, just months. Um, I probably wasn't ready to get pregnant at the time, but you know, things, things happen when they should. And now I have this beautiful, amazing five-year-old little boy that has Down syndrome and all the worries and everything that I had during that, um, the early part of the pregnancy, you know, it's just a memory now. And Mm -hmm. now I have in its place, beautiful memories that have happened over the last several years of raising Augie. It is wonderful. And I think that there's a lot of fear around that diagnosis. There is. When I remember being in kindergarten and my best friend was a little girl with Down syndrome. (laughs) And even now we're in our mid thirties. You know, if I happen to run into her somewhere, she's still like, oh, this is Summer. This is my best friend. And I love it. Her name is Amy. And I think having that friendship so early and my family getting to know Amy as well. Mm-hmm. It changed my perspective. And I think that for many reasons, it's still a hard diagnosis because you know that life is going to be different and challenging in unique ways and beautiful in unique ways. Mm-hmm. But I think for whatever reason, there's a lot of people that when the doctors say there's a good chance or affirming, yes, your child does have Down syndrome, there's also a lot of questions like, is this something that I did? Is there something wrong with me that my child has this neurodivergence or this scary diagnosis? I don't know if that was something that you ever carried, but I know that that's one of those things a lot of people feel in those moments and don't articulate and are afraid or ashamed to admit that they have thought that. Yeah, absolutely. Have you Mm -hmm. ever had that as part of your journey? I haven't felt that there was something I did to cause it. Um, that hasn't been part of my experience, but I know that it's common. And um, and I hope that if there is a listener out there that is feeling that way, that they have someone that they can talk to about that. 
um, because it's really, it isn't anything that they've done. It's, I mean, Down syndrome happens at the point of conception and it, it just happens. There's no, I have thought about, you know, why and what, I guess we don't know exactly what causes it. It just happens by chance. And I know there's also a lot of fear around what that that means. And again, if there is a listener out there that's like waiting for results or is nervous about what something has said, um, there are, I mean, I'd be willing to talk to anybody, but hopefully they have a friend or someone that they can confide in to really share their honest feelings because I think that's important to not be ashamed of any feelings that they're they're feeling regarding a diagnosis because it's unexpected. And when it's unexpected and it's not something that you've planned, it's okay to to grieve what you had planned. Um, now, not forever, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like with having a child with Down syndrome, there you can't carry that grief around um, because I think that is not good for you, for your own mental and emotional health. And over time, of course, it wouldn't be good for the child. But initially, like you have to allow yourself to feel what you feel and to work through those feelings so that you can then work towards true acceptance and joy of what's to come. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm, I mean, I'm still relatively new, I guess, to this journey. My son's only five. Um, but goodness, it's been a good five years. Yeah. And he, this is cliche, but he is the apple of my eye. And he's brought so much joy to my family and to everyone around him and everyone who knows him. I just can't imagine him any other way. Augie has Down syndrome. That is who God has intended him to be. And he is, he is perfect. Mm -hmm. Mm. Maybe not in, you know, society's standards. He's perfect in every way, but in my eyes and in his creator's eyes, he is perfect. Yes. Yes. And And I think that, like you said, the first thing I would say to someone who's out there and feeling any sort of disappointment or grief, et cetera, is to acknowledge it. Totally. And now I admit, and, it, and this is something that actually brought me a lot of guilt for a while. I wasn't planning on having twins. And when I went to that ultrasound, now a lot of people out there are like, oh, I've always wanted twins. I never wanted twins. It seemed hard. Like, it, you know, there's a lot of things hard about being a mom of newborns to begin with being a mom of two was not something I'd ever seen or wanted in my journey. Okay. Personally, but of course I wouldn't have it any other way. Right. You know, once they're there, there's something that's so beautiful. And, and of course we, we got to the point there was, there was more to the story um, that caused some delay in our excitement for the twins going on in our family. Um, But, you know, we got to the point where, okay, this is the journey that we're on. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for thinking I apparently am trustworthy with twins and you see something in me I don't see. And and our children are entrusted to us. And so I think whether it's multiples or children with a neurodivergence, et cetera, I think that we can be flattered because our creator knows what he's doing. And you were chosen to be Maddie and Augie's mom. Mm -hmm. I was chosen to be the parent to all of my children. And 
I think that that can be very flattering. If you, if you are a parent in a difficult situation, and maybe you've never done this before, I would just say, you know what? Thank the Lord. Be like, thanks, God, for seeing in me a strength I didn't know I had because you chose me. And so Augie is born, Maddie's born, and, and, and your and middle Beckett, and your yeah. middle child. My yes, Beckett. Beckett. He's I mean, you have this beautiful family, each with very unique needs. Mm-hmm. And looking at your situation right now, I know it was hard to get to a point where you felt like you had the support, et cetera, but you have fought to bring that support to your community, to your church. In fact, that's how I met you mm-hmm. is, is through your church as someone who is advocating and organizing events, et cetera, celebrating individuals who have these special needs. Yep. Tell me about that piece of your journey. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the most remarkable things that I'd say has come from my journey of being a parent to kids with special needs is that it changed the trajectory of my life. It changed my passion. It changed my literal job and what I do, Uh, my perspective on life and on parenting and on so many other things. And so, yes, I, um, I do a few things in the special needs or disability space. And it all is just brings me so much joy to be able to say, this is what I get to do. Uh, I lead a ministry uh, through Heartland Church in Sun Prairie. It's called Wonderfully Made. And it is a ministry for uh, people with disabilities. And right now, uh, mainly focused on kids. But I have a big heart to, you know, grow that to students and adults and support for parents and support for siblings and anything else I can think of and that God places on my heart. I want to be able to do it. Uh, I also lead Night to Remember, which is, uh, I'm sure all of our listeners know all about it, right? Because it's so big. (laughs) No, if you don't know about it, it's just an amazing uh, prom-like experience that happens once a year. And we are praying and fingers crossed, hoping that we can do it in person next year. The last two years, we have had to do a slightly different event, but typically it's at Monona Terrace and it is, it's prom-like, but like a hundred times better, (laughs) I'd say. Uh, So our guests get to have, um, everything is free of charge, tuxedos, the women get to pick out ball gowns, they get their makeup done, hair done, Uh, They get flowers. They go on uh, limo rides around the Capitol. They walk our red carpet, which is lined with our paparazzi. And then there's a big dance party and food. And there's a respite space for parents to enjoy the evening uh, while their uh, son or daughter is experiencing Night to Remember. So it's before COVID, it was just a massive event, 400 honored guests, 150 parents in our respite space, 700 volunteers. Yeah, I don't know how I'm interested in handling all that too, but I am. And it's such an honor to have uh, a team of people to work with to bring that every year. So yeah, that's night to remember. And then I also am part of an organization called the Down Syndrome Diagnosis Network, which is a nationwide organization that supports new parents that are just starting out on their journey to raising a child with Down syndrome. 
That is, that's so beautiful. There was a, a phrase I saw recently, and I'm probably going to slaughter it. But it says that the mountains you climb could end up being a page in someone else's survival guide. And I, I think that. that so often God calls us to the hard things, but he never wastes those experiences. And so I see, you know, he he brought you to be the mom of these three children, two of which have a specific diagnosis and what that has done as Melissa is just like, okay, Lord, I'm ready to mobilize. You know, I'm, I'm going to go out there. And so first of all, thank you for the work that you do to support this community. And what would you say to that, that mom or dad who's listening, who just got the news that, you know, their, their pregnancy is going to result in a child that has these special needs Mm -hmm. and they're scared and they're maybe they feel guilt or shame or trepidation or or just they're overwhelmed what would you have for that person Mm -hmm. trust god that he's got this would be the first thing that i would say and i already mentioned this but allow yourself to go through all the feelings and don't feel guilty for anything that you're feeling um, just allow yourself to feel. And it may not look the same for everyone in terms of what those feelings are and how quickly you move past certain feelings. And that's okay too, that your um, experience and your journey is going to be unique to to you and to the circumstances and whatever that may cause you to feel that it's okay. And to know that there are people out there that are, you know, if it's a Down syndrome diagnosis, there are local organizations here. We have the Madison Area Down Syndrome Society. We have Gigi's Playhouse. There are nationwide organizations like the Down Syndrome Diagnosis Network. There are people like me that I would love to be alongside a new parent and just to listen, to hear what they're going, they're, you know, they're feeling, they're going through in that time. And well, I can't reassure them that their journey is going to look exactly like mine. I can reassure them that God has got it, that he's walking through it with them and that it will be okay. Mm-hmm. And I hope and pray that it'll be better than okay. And I, that's my experience, and that's the experience that I see all around me with the parents that I know raising kids with not only Down syndrome but uh, other disabilities as well, that it's, it's unexpected, but it leads to beautiful experiences and a beautiful life that maybe isn't exactly what you planned but could be even better mm. than what you thought. What about to that parent whose children are here and they're grown or growing and they love their kids? They do. But if they're being honest, there are nights that they just collapse on the couch in tears and they Mm -hmm. feel overwhelmed and they feel terrible because Mm -hmm. this child is the apple of their eye, but it's hard. And maybe they even have access to the resources, but it's those moments when they are alone in the dark and mm-hmm. just feel like they're falling apart that are plaguing yeah. them. What encouragement would you have for them? Well, I've also been there and mostly with 
my daughter, Maddie, where, yeah, by the end of the day, I just, I would sometimes just cry or after there would be a time where she would just be out of control and it would cause my own, like my responses to her haven't always been the best. You know, Mm -hmm. I've messed up so many times and then I would just feel guilt and be overwhelmed and not know who to talk to. And so I've been there. And again, I think it's just allowing yourself to feel, to not hide it. I think that's been one mistake that I did make um, through the years is when I was having a really hard time that I didn't allow myself to open up, up enough to friends and to share because I thought they wouldn't understand or that my burdens are my burdens and nobody else needs to um, needs to try to handle them. But mm. I mean, that's why God puts friends in our life, right? Even if it's a friend that isn't going through the exact same thing. I hope that if there is a mom or dad that's going through something that causes them to at the end of the night feel just overwhelmed and in tears, that they could pick up the phone and call a friend and that they have someone who would listen Um, I'm a big advocate of therapy also, and I've been in therapy, not the last 11 years, but on and off, I've been in therapy for different reasons. And I think that's important too, that we can, we can trust our friends to be there for us, but sometimes it does take, um, it takes something more and that could be therapy. I don't feel any shame ever for having to go talk through things with a therapist. Self-care, just knowing when you need a break. If you're to a breaking point, knowing what can fill your cup back up. If it's taking time um, outside of the house, if you have the option of a spouse or a friend or a neighbor who can come over and help so that you can go for a walk or go shopping or go get coffee or whatever it is that can bring you life and just like regenerate you. Because if you're not at your best self, it's really hard to parent, period. You need to take care of yourself so that you can be in a better mindset and I guess physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally to be able to handle that. And then I I do want to kind of leave on a really high note. <laughs> what has been your favorite thing about the journey that God has you on? What has been your favorite thing about being that special needs mom? Uh, I think being their mom, knowing that the kids that I have were meant for me. And I don't think there's anything special about me. You know, it's just that this is who God intended for me to raise to raise up. So watching them grow, even though all of them are still quite young, I mean, it's just amazing to see their personalities and to see what they're capable of. And I'm just so honored to have that job, which you can't see my fingers, but they're up in quotes. It's not even a job. It's it's an honor to be their mom. And I can't wait to see what they're going to do as they get older and how they'll contribute to society and what they'll be able to do with their uniqueness. Mm -hmm. It's going to be wild to watch and it's an honor. Maybe 
You remember getting that diagnosis. You remember the fear that filled you as you were just confused. More questions than answers after you left that appointment. Maybe you're pregnant now and you're wondering if that's the future that you are going to have. Wherever you are in the journey of parenting, I just want to encourage you that it's okay to be scared. It's okay that not every day is okay. It's okay if you have to kind of scream into a pillow sometimes, buckle down and keep going. God has entrusted your child to you. Do you hear Melissa's pride in her voice as she talked about her children and her hope for their future? I would imagine that it would be easy to get overwhelmed. I would imagine that it could get very frustrating and hard. But I also know that God will equip all of us to handle the challenges that he's called us to. And so if you are the parent to a child that has special needs, I want to say congratulations. You are stronger than you think you are. There is a reason that God called you to that, to be that child's parent. But if you need hope and encouragement on the journey, reach out to me. I'd love to get you in connection with Melissa. And I'd also love to just be a cheerleader for you on the way. You can email me at summer at seriouslyhow.com. You can find us on Facebook by searching No Seriously, How Do I Do This? And of course, if you haven't subscribed, go to seriouslyhow.com or search for No Seriously, How Do I Do This? Wherever you get your podcasts. And remember that you are loved, my friend, and you are not alone. Thank you.